This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody, Carm Capriato. So glad to have you all here as we continue to work and fight every day to advance the aftermarket with our great podcasts, Remarkable Results Radio, Tunnel Academy, and of course, Aftermarket Weekly and all the Aftermarket Radio Network peoples. And, you know, we produce eight podcasts a week. Hopefully, you are improving your business and personal professionalism. Good to have you here. I am with Aldo Gomez. Hello, Aldo. Hello. How are you? I am great. He's with Business with a Purpose. Uh, Probably everyone knows that's Barry Barrett. And what a great friend Barry is. And Aldo is his sales trainer. And Aldo's got the greatest story in the world about, about sales training and his passion for training. And that's why he's here. Business with a Purpose is bwpcoach.com. Go out and see Barry and Aldo there doing a whole bunch of things. So I love your story. And part of the things that we're going to talk about today, and I was so moved by our discussion, that if you want training to work for you, you have to be a good student. Just let that sink in for a moment. You come away from a training session and you say, well, that was good, but maybe you didn't. And I I know you know your own rules. Maybe you didn't pay attention. Maybe you thought it was a great subject, but you didn't commit enough to it. So you got to be a good student. Aldo's going to talk about five tips on being a great student. Part of that to bring your ROI together and how to understand yourself and accept yourself. And all of that reminds me of emotional intelligence, Aldo. Is, Is that where that's going? Well, the reason I talk about understanding yourself and accepting yourself is that I know that we can get when you're training with students is that often people can get pigeonholed or think that it's not them, right? That it's, that's not their personality style to deliver a presentation in that way. And presentation, the other name for it is script, right? So when we introduce presentations into our training, then what happens is people say, well, I I think I'm going to sound like a robot or that doesn't sound natural to me. And understanding yourself and accepting yourself means that we're not asking you to change who you are. We're not directing you to be rigid in the way that you deliver the presentation. You can deliver the presentation in the way that you naturally feel good. And the only way to be able to step out of your comfort zone and deliver the presentation like we're asking you to is that you need to accept yourself and understand that that you get to be who you are. But there's certain ways that you need to deliver that presentation with confidence. And the only way you can do that is by really knowing who you are so that you're comfortable accepting that this may be out of your comfort zone. And what really happens is people may say that they don't have an ego or they're not proud at the end of the day, you most students are concerned that they're going to fail or they're not going to sound natural or someone's going to pick up on what they're saying and say, that's not who this person is. That'll all go back to ego because you don't want to be embarrassed and there's no need to be embarrassed. I can imagine that. And please keep in mind that what Aldo is speaking to is sales training is on your counters at our shops. I'm telling you, you said the word script and all I could think about was if there's a certain way to present, because that's what you're talking about, and this is a script that I have to work on practicing or I guess getting comfortable with your own style, your own self, so you come across as genuine as you can. Can you practice that in front of the mirror at all? 
you practice in front of the mirror, you practice on the way home. When I first started training with Barry, I had the script at my desk and I would work in two locations, right? So I would work at the front desk and then sometimes there was, we would have other desks that we would use because if it was too noisy in the front office, we would go to the parts room where it was a little bit quieter. And I had a script there and I had a script in the car and I just worked at it. And I just kept on practicing the presentation over and over again until it became natural. And that's in the mirror, in the car, everywhere. If it's important to you, then you'll find the way to practice it, drill, rehearse, and make it permanent. But the script isn't there to oversell or undersell. It is just there to give you the confidence that you can gain no like and trust from the customer. The presentation is there so you can listen. It gives you the ability to be lazy about that part. And it gives, you can dedicate the energy to being a better listener. I got it. Oh my God, that's so powerful. If the words can come natural because it's a script that you've learned and you're comfortable with, then you're probably 80% a listener. That's right. Yeah. You need to be able to give your mind to reserve the energy so you can really just listen to what's happening. And the reality is that, you know, we train across different industries, whether it be chemicals, uh, plastic production, carb repair is that uh, objections and the responses that you get from people or customers are always the same. They don't change, right? So if you're at the front desk at an auto repair shop and you're selling an alternator, a coolant service, a brake fluid exchange, not a brake flush, a brake fluid exchange, you're selling these different services or repairs, the customer is going to respond to you in one of eight different ways and they don't ever change. Automotive technologies of today and tomorrow demand that professional technicians continuously maintain and grow their knowledge and skill sets. If one does not update, they will evaporate. Mastering the changing technologies, adapting new and more efficient testing techniques, and exploring new tooling and equipment applications are just a few challenges. Dorman Training is dedicated to providing the latest information and proven service and repair tips brought to you by some of the nation's best instructors in the company of some of the nation's best technicians. Dorman has been a leader in driving new product solutions for the automotive aftermarket for more than a century. With DormanTrainingCenter.com, we also deliver the technical training and insight service professionals need to further their careers and stay current. The automotive industry constantly evolves with technical advancements, making it crucial for technicians to stay updated with the latest trends and techniques. By undergoing comprehensive training, aspiring technicians will equip themselves with the necessary skills and knowledge to excel in their field. In addition to personal technical training throughout the United States, Dorman Training Center delivers online training modules covering a wide variety of topics with new resources rolling out regularly. Whatever your role or experience, you can find helpful information on DormanTrainingCenter.com. Dorman Technical Training covers many of today's advanced automotive systems, including hybrid EV, driver assistance, diagnostics, emission, and complex electronics. Created for working service professionals and taught by ASE certified instructors, classes are held as lunch and learns in the evenings and weekends at on-site locations as well as available on demand. Bring your knowledge to the next level at DormanTrainingLive.com. You're teaching as a sales trainer over multiple industries, but you started out 
as a service advisor and Barry was your trainer back in the day. And there's this cool evolution of you had such a great passion for training that you wanted to start teaching other people on your lunch break. I mean, come on, this is cool. Yes. How it started was Barry trained me, amazing trainer, changed my life, right? We wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for Barry. So ultra grateful to him. I wanted to become so good at sales that I took everything that he directed me to do, which was reading or practice a presentation. I would sit in my truck or at a library that that was nearby and I would read and practice my presentation. And he made me feel so good about myself. And I got very good at service advising. I mean, I mean, my, my numbers showed it, right? And what I was after was I want to make people feel as good and believe in themselves as much and have them see the success that he did for me. So I stayed in contact with him and I was a little bit early on, on wanting to be a service advisor because I think he had trained me for about a year. And I said, I'm, I'm ready to be a service advisor trainer. And he said, well, just keep on working at it. And I never lost touch with him. He, he, he trained me and I asked him maybe on a weekly basis, do you have anybody for me to train? You were hungry. Oh, yes. I knew what I wanted. And I finally got the opportunity. Here's something very important is that whatever you want to do, you need to begin acting and living like you're that person. Because when the time comes that they choose you, you got to be able to raise your hand and say, I'm ready. You can't expect someone to give you a responsibility. And then you say, well, I'll be ready in about two months. I was practicing. I was ready. And one of the things that I remember is that I worked at an auto shop at that time. And when I had my first student on the weekend, I went and drove around and I found the best place that I could get a Wi-Fi signal because I was doing it through my phone. I didn't have a computer that had Zoom yet. And I had a manila folder with my paperwork in it. I found a park that was quiet, that had a nice outdoor setting and a place with good cellular signal. And that's how I started at my lunchtime. I would rush over there, train, and then rush back. I wouldn't eat on those days, but it didn't matter because I was, man, if I, I understand now when I know that you have a lot of distinguished shops that you work with and I've, and I've watched a lot of interviews. I think that including you, when you get to a certain position, you forget all the beautiful moments of the struggle that got you to where you are. And those become more beautiful than the moment you're living because you remember what it was like. It's amazing. If you grew up as a young kid in San Diego, were you like this as a kid that would say, hey, I'm going to go into the park and I'm going to play gladiator example? I mean, were you like that as a kid? Well, I have all my siblings are older than me. And I know that I have we I'm competitive. I've been competitive since I was a kid. I'm competitive and I have very loving parents that have supported me and given me guidance all my life. So I've been a pampered child that's competitive and believed in. Pampered children don't necessarily, in my book of all the years I've been around, are competitive. They just say, what's next, mom, dad? Yeah, well, I was pampered and my parents let me know that it's okay to be pampered, but you need to stand on your own two feet and there's no complaining in this house. We did. My parents did not stand for complaining. Yeah, I got to stop. And I want to give you kudos and high fives to the fact that you found a place in a park so that you can go rehearse and practice and be that individual that you wanted to be. And now you're a sales trainer and it all happened. Kind of reminds me of a great diagnostician and they love to work with their hands. They've got the brain power to 
dig into something, even mechanical. It just doesn't matter. And they practice their craft all the time by continuing to do jobs. But in the sales realm, Mr. Customer, could you uh, just come with me and just let me try to tell me you have a problem. Let me try to sell you. It's very difficult to role play with a real customer. So you have to go out and do it separately, right? Yes. And you read and you watch other people do it. That's the other thing is that there is so many resources around you at all times if you can learn to appreciate what people are putting out there, right? So I've had the opportunity to work at several different privately owned shops. And some of the people that I learned the most from were the owners because they Everything, especially at a younger age, everything that you've lived through or the pains that you feel maybe about your cell phone bill or about rent or about your car payment, they've felt all those things and maybe at 10 times what you've felt it at. They are able to show you the way by showing you the way. In fact, I often tell my sales students that not only do they teach you the way, but they're paying you to teach you the way. So gosh darn it, just pay attention and do what they ask you to do. You learn from a lot of givers who were willing to share their wisdom. And so many times we see potential in people as senior statesmen of owners or even trainers. Barry obviously saw some potential in you and you kept saying, hey, I want in, I want in. And he kept saying, slow down, my friend, slow down. We got this. Okay. And Barry's a giver. You obviously are a giver. The people you worked for were a giver. And it really helped mold who you are. And that's probably something you're doing with your current students. Absolutely. Now, the people that, that gave to me were, they gave me the wisdom. They gave me the chance to prove myself. Now, along the ways, I've had strict bosses and I've had some bosses that were more lenient. But in the beginning, I had very strict bosses that expected a lot out of me. And these people, if what these type of people that are or bosses that are hard on their employees, it may feel like you're getting picked on. It may feel like they're expecting a lot out of you, but it's for that exact reason that they see something inside of you that's worth, for lack of a better word, for worth giving you grief about. Because they just want you to be better. Did you understand at the time that they saw greatness in you? Were they able to express it to you? Were you able to accept that and get better? I was because I, like anybody else, would make some major mistakes. And when the major mistakes happened, they didn't come off. They didn't yell at me. I didn't get fired. I didn't get written up. That's the telltale sign of when someone is hard on you and they believe in you. When you make a major mistake... They don't get rid of you or they don't write you up. They simply put their hand on your shoulder and they say, hey, next time, don't do that. And you're the kind of individual that would have learned big time from that and done everything you could never to make that happen again. That's correct. Yes. It's who you are. It's your makeup. It's your being. If you were a really good student of Barry and you understood that you have to be a good student, Were you a natural salesperson and the training came in like it was water? You were thirsty and and it kept coming in, which has gotten you where where you are today. I guess my point is, is that so many of us have a talent that we have yet to uncover. Right. To this day, I'm pretty good with people. I get along with them well. Like I'm confident in myself so I can bring confidence out of other people, being customers, prospects, technicians, business owners. And I have a high drive. 
and I want to succeed. I like success because I'm competitive by nature. So these ingredients were already in me and Barry helped to bake the cake, if you will. So if Barry hadn't been there, then I think that also that I was headed towards this direction anyways. And it just so happens that Barry and I met up and Barry and I are very happy doing this together with with Business With Purpose. You read a lot? Absolutely. I read a ton. I read sales books. I read books on psychology. I read books uh, on meditation of like, I have the wisdom of Lao Tse. I like the Confucius of Marcus Aurelius. I like, and then I also like fiction books. My favorite book is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Absolutely fantastic book. Yes. And I read a great range. Inspire you? Absolutely. Yeah. How does it inspire you? Because I'm not sure there's enough readers in our industry. We talk about this a lot, but from a heavy, heavy reader like you, what does it help you do and be? Reading develops your mind because you're not watching a screen, right? Nowadays, we watch screen all day long from the phones to the TV to the pads to the computers. The reading allows your mind to kind of work out, right? To exercise and your mind can make many more connections through reading than watching. And so, and then also I'm a huge proponent of vocabulary. Vocabulary is ultra important. So if you don't have a strong vocabulary, that's probably because you don't read a whole lot. Because when you read a lot and you enjoy reading, then you're forced to look in a dictionary and see what that word means. My personal favorite mentor is Jim Rohn. And in one of his audio series, which I've listened to many, many times because I I absolutely love Jim Rohn, is that there's two types of people. There's people that either look up the word or there's people that don't look up the word. I have to look up the word. If I come across a word that I don't know, but my intuition says this may not necessarily be the first time I've heard this, and I may have lazed out the first time and not looked it up, I am finding, and by the way, everyone, it is so easy to get the definition of a word today if you're doing anything in electronics. And if not, it is not difficult if you're reading actually a physical book, Aldo, right? To have that little phone next to you and quickly look it up. Within eight seconds, you've got the definition. And then now you figure out how it, it's a component to the sentence you just read. Well, there's this great book that I've had for about eight years called Verbal Advantage. And it has, it's just a ton of words and it gives you the history of the word, how it's often used, how it's often misused. And that's, if you want to build a good vocabulary, then you can read and then you can also pick up books that have a bunch of different words that you aren't used to using and you get to learn how words are misused or used properly. And then you get to pick up on and learn great vocabulary. I love that verbal advantage. We're going to put that on our books page on the website because Anytime someone mentions a book that they love, they read, that it fixed or changed their life in any way, we have it up on the books page. So you love being a trainer. So take me back to the day that you said, Barry, come on, bring me on, bring me on. How did that all that happen? Well, so it happened because at the time when Barry was training me, we would have a lot of great conversations about sales. So there's coaching for development and there's coaching for performance. And coaching for performance would be a heavy hand on what to say to a customer. For lack of a better term, it would be very directed towards just the sales part of it. Coaching for performance, which is what I experienced with Barry and what we do very well is that we're more interested in making you a better person 
Because once we make you a better person or help make you a better person and more motivated to do your job, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to do whatever it is that you need to do for work or for your career a lot better because you're a highly motivated person. And you want to be a better person. You're trying to tell me that if you find my natural tendencies and you're going to coach or teach to that? Well, yes. However, sometimes people's natural tendencies need to be improved. Yeah, I'm an introvert and I rarely, you know, I don't get my energy from being around people. I'm not really good on my feet. But I got this job as a service advisor because my friend who knows a friend and my dad got me this job. And here I am just kind of floating. Can you fix me, man? Carm, there's nothing wrong with you. I'd like to share something with you. Is that okay? Sure. It's better to be an interesting introvert than an exciting extrovert, especially in sales. <laughs> I love that. So get your listening skills on and let's go. Hey, you're better prepared than most because it's easier for me to for train someone like you and show you how and what your job is. Yeah, I got it. It's brilliant. You just have to have that giving, caring piece in you. I mean, can you teach that or does it just have to be there naturally? I don't know if I could teach it, but I could ask you if it's important to you. Got it. And if it is, it comes through. That's right. I'm genuine. I can tell. Wow. So how's your training different than what we can get off the shelf anywhere? Well, our training is different because we spend much more time on a one-to-one basis, right? So I know there's other training programs that might work in seminars over a couple of days, over the weekend, and or in a group setting. Our training is either one-to-one or up to four people. And that's a big difference because when you get multiple people involved in a training program, people get very shy. And it's natural because you're in the room or you're in a virtual room with several other people and you can't share how you feel because you're you're scared that you're going to sound funny or you're scared that you're going to be embarrassed by what somebody would say, well, this is a dumb question. We do role play, which I know a lot of other coaching systems also do role play. Another big thing is that we not only do the role play, but we listen to the actual phone calls with customers and we review the phone calls with customers. So when I get to hear the phone call, then it's all out there at that point. We can really do some heavy work when we get to hear the actual interactions with the customers because role play is one thing. That's like practice. But when you get to hear what's actually happening, then it's all about the us, the ahs, the that sounds expensive. Those moments when you can't role play and you can't make up what people say back to you, right? And when you hear it in an actual phone call, you get to break the whole conversation down and everybody learns in that situation. Big learning curve with you, the recorded call with your client, listening to that. Do you just sit there and say, hey, let's go over this call. And your client says, ah, although I miss that. What happens when you're reviewing the call is you can begin to calm the service advisor down because most of the time what's happening is there's a, just like customers have a natural reaction to what has just been presented to them, a salesperson has a natural reaction to their natural reaction. 
So the natural reaction to their natural reaction needs to just be slowed down because we often jump in and assume things in our head that aren't actually happening, but we think they're happening. So you do you teach the big pause, meaning let's don't be so reactionary, let it sink in, get that individual. They just stopped talking. They just took a breath and man, you're on them. So what you're saying is you really need to think about where this person is right now. Well, that's too expensive. Instead of jumping on there and saying something, let it pause, let it sink in on purpose. And then whatever the response that you've taught people based on the situation, is that the coaching you're doing? Yes, because during the pause is when you get to listen and we teach, don't answer the objection, isolate the objection. When you answer the objection, that's your natural response to begin to tell them why it's valuable why this and this. But what you want to do is figure out what their actual objection is about. And that takes more investigation or more question asking. More questions. You're trying to get in a little deeper as to why they believe that it's too expensive. Right. You're not going to be able to do that by reacting. You need to stop and listen and make sure that you really understand what is going on with the customer and why they're saying what they're saying. So that's more important than your reaction is, is to listen. Do you ever sit down with a recorded call and say, my, you just missed an opportunity to set an appointment? Price isn't being talked about or anything. You just want to get that car in. Does that happen a lot? In the beginning, it does. Yeah, we listen in and I just start by asking, you know, what happened and what made you say that? And because the other thing is if, if you're working with a service advisor is hasn't had formal training or is new to being a service advisor, well, let's be patient. They don't know yet and they're excited to be in that position. None of us learned from one day to the next, took a lot of time. In fact, yesterday I had a student ask me, he said, man, he's like, how do you remember all this? Or how do you remember? Well, because I practiced for a long time. I think that's part of the message here. It's only been hundred times that I've been in a situation like this. Not only did I practice a hundred times, but I was in a real live situation. And it's part of my natural gift now in my discussion with clients. And to your point, it just rolls off. That's right. Yeah. It's just practice, drill, rehearse. And another big factor of how well somebody learns and being motivated is how excited are you about doing what you're currently doing? You need to be excited about it because when you're excited about it, people will forgive your inadequacies because you're excited and you're happy about it. So they'll let it slide. It reminds me of when you work at a shop and you have a line almost out the door of people waiting to be checked in in the morning before they go to work. If you are, or when you are courteous to the customers and let them know, make eye contact and say, I will be right with you. When they see you make eye contact, you smile, you let them know that, that you see them and you're helping the next person in line. When they see you deliberately, actively, energetically taking care of the customer in front of you, they will be patient because they like seeing you just go for it. And you're handling this with such a plum that you're happy and you're energetic and they'll let it slide. But if you don't make eye contact and you don't acknowledge them and you drag your feet doing all the process, they will not accept it and they won't be happy about it. You might even get a bad Yelp review, all because you weren't energetic about it. All right. So we've got the plum of this episode. I just want to serve it up. A plum, a cherry, whatever your favorite sweet fruit is. What Aldo just told us, get excited, 
and bring your energy to work. So it doesn't matter what kind of day you had, what kind of drive in, when you cross the threshold of the business, find your energy and get excited because this is what you do for a professional living. Let's talk about the professional thing that we could talk about profession all, all day long, but get excited and get energy. That's it. Bingo. If you're an owner and you want to motivate your sales, you want to get them training, but don't wait for the trainer to get involved. Sit down and say, boy, tell me about how excited you are to come to work and serve our customers every day. What a great open-ended question. And how about bringing your energy to work? Listen, we have good days, we have bad days, but I'm looking for you to have as many good days as you can working my counter, taking care of our clients. Absolutely. And the big thing to remember is, or that I always remembered and what made me ultra grateful is that I have a job. We're in a lucky place. We're in the greatest nation in the world. And as a service advisor, particularly, is how many other professions get to sit at a desk and you get to have coffee when you want. You get to have a cold drink of water when you want. You get to have a soda when you want. You get to walk out and talk to technicians about what's going on with the car. We're not doing, we're not working on a factory line here. We're not out in the sun or in the freezing cold. So let's remember what we're doing and where we're at and what we're getting paid for because it's not that bad. You have a luxury job. Well, you are so right. So listen, Aldo, he's got a lot of automotive in his background and I love to hear the stories of how young we all were when we actually got jobs. And I look at some of the issues that are going on today, that there's a lot of young people coming in our industry that never you know, worked before. They never, they never have a part-time job, which is why we're wondering why we have to beg our own groceries and we can't eat lunch at a restaurant we used to because they can't find people. But you worked in a restaurant, you were a grocery bagger, and then you went to college and you worked at a shop for a bunch of years. So you've been there and done that and you've got a hell of a work ethic. Yeah, it's been fun. I've been paid. I had a paycheck when I was young, before I had a family. I had good times and I always had a job and I liked to work. In an auto shop, it was really great. It's been, all of it has been really awesome. All of it. I need to hear the story of you saying one day, I want to be a trainer on my lunch break. Yeah, well, it was through Barry and I kept on asking, when can I get a, a student? And when he finally gave me the student, at that point, I had choices to make, right? I, either I was going to make it work at lunchtime or I was going to walk away from that job, but I was going to do training one way or another. And it just happened that I was able to get, because of the, of the time difference, I was able to stay with the student. I would just go at lunch and I would begin training with him at the park. And I took all of, <laughs> in fact, I have a journal here of my very, and now I have digital ways of saving my content, right? My notes and all of that. But I have a journal here and it says BWP on it. And I open it and I read it and it takes me to the beginning to when I would still take a pen and write in this journal in this spiral bound notebook because I didn't have a digital way of doing it. And then I had my printouts of my presentation and then I would just go for it. And it was natural thing. It was a natural thing because I knew that's what I wanted to do. One student. One student. One student. Still know that student today? No, we lost contact because he didn't make it very long at that shop. But we trained for nine months. I don't have contact with him, but I do have contact with my other very beginning students out in the East Coast. And they send me pictures every now and then and we stay in touch. And How nice. Oh, nothing like that at all. I mean, talk about realizing that you're doing the things that help change and fix people. How's your training different? Well, that we train on for development, not for performance. And what that means is I'm not 
afraid and I teach my students not to be afraid to get out of the comfort zone. And what that means is I'm really interested in my students and what makes them think the way that they currently do. And in fact, earlier this week, I had a conversation with a sales advisor or service advisor that thought they used the word, I don't want to rip off the customer, right? What I did was I started to ask him, well, what do you mean by rip off the customer? And I helped introduce him to the idea that when you as a shop have the leverage to buy a part for less than what you think is acceptable as far as making a markup on it, that I asked him how long his shop has been around. The shop has been around for 35 years. So it's very possible and it's probably true that you get a heavier discount as a shop because you've been in business for so long. And when you offer a warranty to a customer that's nationwide, then you're going to have to furnish the repair 100%. So I could have just told them, just follow the directions and make the markup. But I took the time and it's important to help change that person's perspective of what's really going on. Well, they're selling from their own wallet. Well, yes, they're selling from their own wallet. And there's two layers to that because they're selling out of your own wallet. And the other part is your personal feelings towards what is right and what is wrong. And what I would have to say trumps all of that is do what the boss asks you to do. Do what the shop asks you to do. If the shop is expecting this kind of markup on something, then you should be marking it up what the company wants, right? It goes back to trying to it, sharing with everyone who works where the money goes, you know, what it takes to really be profitable in a company, what our goals and expectations are so that we can feed everyone, bring this family together, build the right culture of not only financial success, but personal success for everyone who works there and real super happy clients. And yeah, maybe the shops like that don't necessarily work hard enough to set the mission values, the goals, the purpose of the company. And I guess if someone was more into that, they wouldn't have a problem. Even if they were a 35-year customer, says, oh, we got to treat Mrs. Smith differently than anyone else, and we have to give Mrs. Smith a deal or a discount or a lower margin, it shouldn't have to happen. But somewhere along the line, that individual either got the message or feels they can't accomplish the goals of the company. It's important to always be professional and the feelings that you have about something cannot be convoluted with how you feel about a person. You can be friends and you can be friendly. And this is a great quote that I remember and I repeat is that a great relationship with the customer is not the result of a, a great sale is not the result of a great relationship with the customer. A great relationship with the customer is the product of a proper sale. So you will create that relationship with them, but they need you to be professional because they're not looking for a friend. They're looking for help and they're looking for somewhere that they can get value. The friendship, the relationship will be built as the years or the months go on with your customer. But you need to always be professional and satisfy everybody's need, which is your shop and the customers. Great summary. I love that. So growing up with the parents, they give you a lot of direction, a lot of love? A lot of love, a lot of direction. The direction was my dad was a lawn maintenance person. My mom cleaned houses. They never complained about a thing. They never complained about their bosses because they were self-employed. And the direction was from a very young age is you're going to work around here for free until you can go get a job. So 
So we were highly motivated to go get a job because if you don't go get a job, you're going to work around here for free. No allowance. I did have allowance. I had a $5 allowance or no, it was, I'm sorry, I had a $3 allowance. And I remember if I did something special, if I had a good report card or did extra well cleaning around the house or something, that might be bumped up to $5. And those were big deals because in San Diego, there's a place called Balboa Park. And Balboa Park has a museum in there. And every now and then I could afford to buy an astronaut ice cream. Because astronaut ice creams were about $4.15 or $3.89. And those were big deals. This was great. I'd love you to come back, you know, be on some panels, bring your passion for getting our sales counters as professional as we can get and the confidence that we have that work on our counters to realize that we're out there helping and giving people the kind of service for their vehicle to keep it safe and reliable. This this was great. Any final word, Aldo, before I let you go? Well, I'd like to just take a moment to say thank you to my family for being supportive and always being there for me and patient, right? For everybody that's involved in a relationship with a salesperson, highly driven salesperson, it takes a whole lot of patience because we are a special kind. We are a special kind of people. And to the different shops that employed me, they gave me an opportunity to be part of their staff, ultra proud and happy for everything they did for me. Of course, Mr. Barry Barrett did a great friend and mentor and show me so much in life. And thank you to, to let me be on this platform again with all of your distinguished shops and interesting people that are that are successful, that to be part of the people invited on this show is just thank you to everybody. Although I'm honored to have you, although Gomez, business with a purpose sales trainer who works with our great friend, industry great friend, Barry Barrett, who's been on so many times. I don't know. He could be one of my most frequent podcast guests. So thanks, although I sure appreciate this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.